apitiyo iwajantu, saparoko vinasatu, madepovatvantarayo, sukitikayu koboa, abhivatanasile sanichan, utabachahinau, jataru dhammavatandi, ayuvano sukhaṁ alaṁ. Just as the rain falls down, moistens the earth and gathers into rivulets and streams and rivers and ends back in the four great oceans, so may all of the moments of goodness that you experience on your retreat time here gather together inevitably as they will, and bring blessings and awakening to you and to all beings. It is a great pleasure to be here at IMS and to welcome you all to the beginning of this retreat. I skipped a year or so in my <clears throat> IMS tenure, um, and have now shifted to the spring, thinking, thought I, <laughs> that it would be warm and summery. I don't know, I perhaps have to just change location entirely, but anyway, it's really a pleasure to be back, and an enormous pleasure to see as well in this group many, many people who are dear friends and uh, fellow wayfarers on the, on the journey over, over years. Such a pleasure. There is in the cycles of our lives time for breathing in and time for breathing out. And even, if you notice closely, a space between breaths. That's perhaps the best of all. And in some way, whether you are relatively new to retreat practice, in which case I particularly welcome you, and if we haven't met, my name is Jack Cornfield, or you've been doing retreats as an organic part of your life for five or ten or twenty or thirty years, as is the case of some of you that Ruth Tennyson would call the moldy oldies among us. <laughs> There's something good about it every time. Something that's really important in taking the time away from the complexity and busyness and movement of our life to touch back in and really listen in the heart to the deepest values of our life, to release and shed some of the stuff that we carry, tensions and concerns that build up, so that in a kind of natural and pure way, our original innocence, our Buddha nature, that which is true in us, can shine forth 
more fully so that we are clearer and freer and wiser. And it's not so much just the practice that we do or the practices, mindfulness, compassion, loving kindness, and so forth. But I think from the very beginning, it's the intention that carries us here and places us in this circumstance with community and friends supported in this way, where we can really let go and open moment by moment that somehow transforms us each time. Reminds us, deepens us. So I'm very, very pleased that we get to share this time together over these days. And I'm joined by a wonderful team of friends and colleagues, starting from your left, Ralph Steele from New Mexico, who has been sitting and practicing for many, many, many years and teaching for a long time now. And and the year before last, spent a year in monasteries of Burma and Thailand, um, come back um, really steeped in the um, tradition and practice of the monasteries in the forest of Asia. Adrian Ross, next to Ralph, who is a Dharma practitioner from British Columbia, Vancouver, for many, many years also, and a teacher, a very fine teacher, a physician and parent, and uh, I'm very glad Adrian is here. Susan O'Brien, who is almost uh, woven into the fabric of the Insight Meditation Society (laughs) over so many years here as probably every role one could have, from bottle washer to teacher and back again, um, who is also a very wonderful teacher and long-time practitioner and uh, very dedicated to Dharma life. And Tara Brock from Washington, D.C. I think Tara started her practice life of insight meditation here in Barrie, although years of practice before that, yoga and ashram and so forth. A couple decades, a few decades here or there. It's funny when you look back. It's a long time, huh? Also a psychologist and parent and, and fine Dharma teacher. So we have a good time together. This is a team of teachers that um, I love teaching with, and we have a great kind of collective appreciation for both the deepening process of retreat and the intimacy that we are allowed in working together with you. It's a special time. Take it easy. There isn't a hurry anymore. Let yourself slow down. However you got here, you're here, right? You're here. Relax, take it easy, and um, may your retreat settle gently and gradually open and be filled with blessings.
I want to join my voice in the welcome. Um, I also, along with Jack, leapfrogged a few years and uh, came back, walked in the front door, and just felt so moved to be in this place because there is such a feeling. And then to walk in here and uh, see all of you sitting here and that that same sense of uh, what a sweet thing that we get to do together. So... I'm delighted. I was thinking as Jack spoke about the breath that we breathe in and we breathe out, and sometimes as we get quiet, we notice that space between. And in a sense, this coming to retreat is a pause. It's a sacred pause in the movement that we have through our lives. Just as we pause when we come to any meditation, sitting or we pause to reawaken on the breath, we pause in a broader way to really slow down. And it is so precious because we don't get to listen so well when we're racing around. I'm so aware of um, this description of busyness that Thomas Merton has of being a kind of innate violence that we do to ourselves. The sense of that I'm becoming more and more aware of in my life of this feeling of always being on my way somewhere else. You know, it's just very rare that, ah, this is it. This is as meaningful and full and complete as any moment in the universe. It's usually we're doing this because we're on our way into the rest of the retreat or I'm on my way to dinner or I'm on my way to pick up my son. Or So a sacred pause is really... Uh, a deep willingness to let ourselves really arrive. The word in Chinese for busy is heart-killing. It always gets me. So I'd like to just share with you something. Uh, This is D.H. Lawrence. Because I'm aware that we manage our lives so powerfully, externally, that we forget the mystery. We're so busy that we forget. And we're so busy that we disconnect from our bodies and from each other. So, so I, I feel like our collective kind of intent is reconnecting. This is uh, how D.H. Lawrence puts it. He says, man has little needs and deeper needs. We have fallen into the mistake of living from our little needs till we have almost lost our deeper needs in a sort of madness. Let us prepare now for the death of our present little life and the re-emergence in a bigger life in touch with the moving cosmos. It is a question practically of relationship. We must get back into relation, vivid and nourishing relation to the cosmos and the universe. The way is through daily ritual and the reawakening. We must once more practice the ritual of dawn and noon and sunset, the ritual of kindling fire and pouring water, the ritual of the first breath. To these rituals we must return, or we must evolve them to suit our needs, for the truth is we are perishing for lack of fulfillment of our greater needs, We are cut off from the great sources of our inward nourishment and renewal, sources which flow eternally in the universe. Vitally, the human race is dying, 
It is like a great uprooted tree with its roots in the air. We must plant ourselves again in the universe. I went to a conference, a tricycle conference, um, last August. Some of you probably were there. It was at the World Trade Center Marriott. And I was one of the five people that was helping to open it, and we were each told to speak for about 10 minutes about what was really most precious and central in Buddhist teachings. And so, um, and I was really nervous because the other people that were speaking, I had been reading their books since I was a teenager, kind of thing. So, so I was, it was, it was kind of scary. But I was told I was the second person to speak, so that that made it a little easier. I figured I'd have ten minutes to, to plant myself in the moment and in the universe and arrive. The the first speaker was Roshi Richard Baker, who got up and sat on the, you know, on his cushion was silent for a moment, and he said, what I've most learned from all of Buddhist practice is that it comes down to two things, intention and attention. He bowed and he left the stage, and I was on. (laughs) And I have no idea what I said, but I remember what he said, which is really (laughs) a nice thing to come away with. All sacred journeys begin with intention. We each come here and we have different levels of how come we think we're here. But we come from a very deep place of, of longing to awaken. I'd like to just do a brief meditation on what our intention is to be here. And just start by these words from Mary Oliver. I do not know, I mean, I do know how to pay attention, how to fall down into the grass, how to kneel down in the grass, how to be idle and blessed, how to stroll through the fields, which is what I've been doing all day. Tell me, what else should I have done? Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? to just take a moment, you might close your eyes and ask that timeless question to your heart of what really matters. What is it you really care about? Your deep aspiration for coming on retreat? Your aspiration for living? Welcome to continue to sit with your eyes closed or open. I'd like to just say a little bit on what I find helpful in bringing our aspiration alive and really arriving here at retreat. And I'm aware for myself that at the beginning of a retreat, 
the two predominant feelings inside me are usually sleepiness and anxiety. That's my big pair. And I, I don't say that every one of you is feeling that, but I know a lot of people come with that, and we come with a lot of other things, with eagerness and excitement, with a sense of sometimes uh, sadness or a sense of annoyance or a sense of ease. We bring the whole shebang into retreat. Now, William James said this. He said three things are important in life. The first is to be kind. The second is to be kind. And the third, you know, is to be kind. That probably the one intention within our intentions that can help to loosen the grip of our trance, of of being caught up in thinking something's wrong, is to be kind. So I invite you to make an experiment of it, to see how tenderly, how gently you can hold your experience. Because what we find is that meditation feels good when we feel good. When things are going well, we think meditation's good. And yet, as we know, there's all sorts of weather systems that come through that make it challenging. George Carlin puts it this way. He says, I'm not into working out. My philosophy is no pain, no pain. (laughs) And so when there is unpleasantness, it kind of goes against our idea of how we should be or what should be happening. And just to say right at the, the nugget that most ensnares us is when we're not feeling good, in other words, when we can't seem to get beyond our sleepiness or our restlessness, or we're feeling insecure, or so often when we're feeling self-conscious, because it retreats, it's, we don't talk about this so much sometimes, but we can feel really socially self-conscious, because our normal ways of being with each other and reassuring ourselves that we like each other and so on aren't there. So here we are, we're on silence, our eyes aren't meeting in contact. So when these things come up, we can start building this idea of something is wrong with me. It's not just something's wrong, but something's wrong with me. And you might just just notice, because this is one of the great places of mindfulness, to notice when that locks in, that evaluation. Dear God, one person writes, so far today I've done all right. I haven't gossiped, been greedy, been grumpy, nasty, selfish, or overindulgent. I'm very grateful for that. But in a few minutes, God, I'm going to get out of bed. And from then on, I'm probably going to need a lot of help. So some mantras, you know, mantras are sacred phrases that can help. It's okay. I use that a lot. Whatever's going on, just to hold that kind of big frame to embrace it with, it's okay. I also use just the word yes. I remember one of my first six-week, the first six-week retreat I did here, and I had these kind of attacks of aversion towards everything. My body was physically uncomfortable. Emotionally, I was feeling um, annoyed and irritated and anxious. So I just started saying yes to whatever arose. Yes. Yes to this, yes to that. So one beginning, central, critical piece 
is to notice when we turn on ourselves and to not judge, to say yes and hold ourselves kindly, to include whatever comes up as the path. Kabir put it this way, he says, wherever you are is the entry point. What that means is that whatever inner weather is going on, whether we're anxious or obsessed, busy, wanting, craving, tired, restless, annoyed, this too, that's another great mantra, this too. These sound like tricks, but they actually awaken us back into a place of of presence and balance because we begin to see what's going on. The final piece I'd like to say is that the biggest delusion is that we're on our own waking up a, a deficient self, trying hard to be a better meditator, that we're racing this race of enlightenment to the finish line and we're just doing it ourselves. That there really <coughs> is an amazing power to coming together and waking up together in this way that we really support each other in our respect and our care and our presence here with each other. And that in that experiment of being kind towards yourself, you can really actively offer metta, loving-kindness, to each other. Sridhar Sargadatta, an Indian teacher, was asked once, well, what do I do when I get really stuck in feeling separate from other people? And his response was, just let go of every thought except, I am God, you are God. And we might say it here because we're at a Buddhist retreat, Buddha nature, looking at each being and seeing that that Buddha nature is radiating. It's a beautiful way to move through the retreat, especially when you start feeling small and separate, is to offer that wish of care. So last little meditation I'd like to do together with you is a one of including each other. And if you will, with your eyes open, just take a moment, since we won't get to do this too much through the week, to look around and just see who's here. And just, just to acknowledge who's sitting next to you, because they're going to be next to you for a while. And then, to keep these beings in mind, and close your eyes for a moment. To close your eyes, and you might bring to mind (coughs) the person sitting on one of your sides. Just bring their image of their face and body and presence here for you. And just allow yourself to reflect for a moment that he or she also comes with this aspiration to awaken. That each one of us wants to be free, wants to love fully, wants to really be awake. And to sense how this might be true for this person that you're reflecting on. You can offer them your prayer. May this retreat serve awakening. 
Hold them in your heart. And in this space of metta, of loving kindness, you can let another person come to mind, perhaps someone you just were looking at, or someone you saw earlier this evening. And again, just sensing this being's vulnerability and this being's longing to awaken. Offer your prayer, your blessing. And you can feel free as you go through these days. It's a little secretive, but to send these blessings of metta and discover the kind of intimacy that can happen in silence. When our hearts are open and caring. Final words that I can say most make a difference for me is to keep relaxing. To relax with each other, to relax in the moment. To be outside and see the lilacs or feel the wetness or hear the birds and relax. Just to continue to relax and pay attention. The Tibetan teacher Talopa puts it this way. He says, let go of what has passed. Let go of what may come. Let go of what is happening now. Don't try to figure anything out. Don't try to make anything happen. Relax right now and rest. This is such a gift, this being together and having an opportunity to practice the Dharma in this way. So may we enjoy the blessings of our moments and days. Thank you. Really enjoyed walking through the dining room earlier this evening and just seeing so many familiar faces and friends coming together again to do this retreat. So I'm, I'm very happy to be doing it with you. Traditionally, when we start a retreat, um, we start it with offering the reflections of the refuges and the guidelines of the precepts. So I'm just going to say briefly a little bit about what these are in case you're new to this practice and this retreat format. And then after I'm done just introducing them, Ralph will lead us in taking them together, uh, chanting them together. So first of all, why we offer them. um, As Tara said, it's really uh, coming together for a retreat in a way is kind of, is creating a, a kind of sanctuary or sacred space. So offering these guidelines and reflections is a way that we create the space together. And it's really offering a sense of safety for the work that we do on retreat, this work of arriving and being fully present, really opening to our experience very deeply. 
So what does it mean to take refuge? Taking refuge is about recognizing what's truly dependable, what we feel very strongly about, in a way what we just did in terms of reflecting on our intention in being here. It's placing our hearts on what's most meaningful for us. And there's a safety in that. There's a sense of refuge when we align our hearts and minds in that way. So it's in that spirit that we offer these reflections of the refuges. The reflections that we offer here are the the refuges of the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. So the Buddha, as well as being the historical figure that we see in, in this statue behind us here, the human being who became completely awakened, completely free, in his heart and mind. As well as that that actual individual, it's that capacity for awakening, that Buddha nature that Tara just mentioned, that we all share, that we all have. So taking refuge in the Buddha means taking refuge in the qualities of a Buddha and in that capacity for awakening in ourselves. The qualities of the Buddha that I hold in my heart and align my heart with are qualities such as presence, fearlessness, wisdom, compassion, love. Taking refuge in those qualities that we share, that we have, and that we can develop. Taking refuge in the Dharma means both the teachings of the Buddha, which is referred to as the Dharma, and also very simply the Dharma means the truth or the way things are. And for me, this is a wonderful refuge. There's a great safety in taking refuge in the truth. I know in my own experience and practice, it took me years to realize that this practice wasn't about attaining certain beautiful states and keeping them. Really, it was about learning how to be fully present in this moment with whatever is true for me in this moment. And there's so much safety in that. It's a wonderful refuge. Taking refuge in the Sangha. Again, it's a great support to know that the Sangha is the community here, the community of practitioners, the community of fellow beings that are interested in waking up, interested in being free, finding ways to be free inside of ourselves. There's a great support in knowing that we're not alone on this journey. So taking refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. They're called the triple gem, three jewels. And then the precepts or guidelines that are offered here 
are offered in the spirit of, again, creating a sense of safety, harmlessness. Really, the precepts are all about harmlessness, both an internal harmlessness and an external uh, offering harmlessness in the world. When the Buddha taught, he taught ethical conduct as one of the first steps on the path to awakening. And he pointed out these specific areas in our lives in which we should pay particular attention. So these precepts cover some of those areas. And so in a way, they're kind of like a map. Oh, let's look at this area in my life and see, you know, how can I learn to pay attention in this area? So see if you can hold them in that way. They're not meant to be commandments. They're more areas of practice, so a kind of training guidelines. I like to think of them as an offering or a gift, that gift of safety that we give to ourselves and others. And they reflect care for ourselves and others. So the first one is to refrain from killing or harming any beings. And this precept is about respecting life in all of its many forms. And for most of us, this is easy with the bigger forms of life, and it gets more challenging as the forms of life get smaller. (laughs) And here uh, at IMS in this season, you'll get to practice with many (laughs) different small forms of life. There's um, a visitor that comes around every year at this time, at least when the temperature goes up a few degrees, called the black fly. And it's a challenge, you know, if you're walking outside and there are these flies, you know, landing and biting, you know, to just watch what's the automatic response that wants to happen, you know, to see how sometimes out of a lack of attention, really, we respond from a place of fear or um, anger or frustration. So the way that I've found useful to just work with this, you know, and again, it's not um, a commandment. It's more an area to learn about how we respond to the world. So for me, what helps is to just remember to pay attention. Because if I pay attention in that moment when I want to slap the black fly, the irritant, on my skin, I notice, oh, it's a living being doing what it needs to do in that moment to survive. And then I have a choice. You know, I can brush it away instead. So attention offers us that kind of choice to make a wise decision. That's the first precept. The second is to refrain from stealing or taking what's not freely given. And again, this is relatively easy for most of us. But on a more subtle level, it's a practice in watching craving arise in our hearts and minds. Watching the way the energy of greed manifests for us. So we can practice restraint on retreat. I also like to think of this precept in terms of practicing being content with what is. 
having that sense of what I have is enough. And noticing the relief of not wanting when those moments arise or when we can let go of something that we think we need to be happy. There's a great relief when that moment passes. We can also pay attention to the sense of, when we have that sense of this is enough, the gratitude, the fullness of heart for what we do have, a beautiful place to be together and do this practice, good water, clean air, good food. It's quite a lot of gratitude that can arise in the heart. The third precept is to refrain from sexual misconduct or using our sexual energy in ways that are harmful. And on retreat, this is pretty easy because we ask that you're celibate while you're here. And this precept is more challenging, obviously, when we're back at home in our daily lives. But again, it's just an area where strong energy arises. Can we learn to pay attention there and make wise choices? We practice so that we're not driven by our desires. It's not to say desire doesn't arise. It does. But we begin to recognize it and have more space and more opportunity for choice. The fourth precept is to refrain from lying or speaking in ways that cause harm. And again, on retreat, it's easier because we're undertaking what we call noble silence. But you will be speaking in interviews with teachers, and you may have to speak a few words to a staff person around your job. This precept is a really good one to practice here and in daily life especially. It's such a powerful uh, area where we put out a lot of our energy into the world through our speech. So we'll talk more at the end of the retreat about working with it off of retreat, but it's a wonderful place to practice. The Buddha said, suggested that we say what is useful, what is true, and what is beautiful to the ears. So sometimes it's good to look at when we're about to say something, is this useful? Is this important to say right now? It's just an interesting place to practice. And again, it's a great safety to reside in a place of truth. What we're doing with this practice is untangling the tangles in our hearts and in our minds. And we know that speaking untruths can create quite a tangle. So we practice with speaking the truth, and it helps in terms of untangling the tangles. The fifth, the last precept, is to refrain from taking intoxicants that cloud the mind. And this refers to drugs and alcohol and intoxicants that cloud the mind, not to any medications that you take and that you've brought with you, 
which are absolutely fine to keep on taking. And really, this precept is about committing to clarity of mind. And that's what we're doing here on this retreat, is developing, nourishing, supporting clarity of mind. So the five precepts, guidelines to point us to areas to pay attention to, and the three refuges, just aligning our hearts with what's most important for us. And if what I offered in the refuges didn't resonate for you, it's fine to find what resonates for you, where you feel you can take refuge. And keep that in mind. So Ralph is going to lead us in these refuges and precepts in chanting. Should we stretch first? So, but let's have a short period of just standing and stretching, and then we'll have a sitting after. Yeah. I invite you to join hands together, your hand together. Namo tasa bhagavato arhato sama sambuddhasa. Namo tasa bhagavato arhato sama sambuddhasa. Namo tasa Bhagavato Arhato Samha Sambuddhasa Udam Sarinam Gachami Dhamam Sarinam Gachami Sangam Sarinam Gachami Dudhyampi Buddham Sarinam Gachami Dudhyampi Dhamam Sarinam Gachami Dudhyampi Sangam Sarinam Gachami Tatiyampi Buddham Sarinam Gachami Tatiyampi Dhamam Sarinam Gachami Tatiyampi Sangam Sarinam Gachami Patitipata Varamiyami Sakapadam Samadhyami Adinadana Varamayami Sakapadam Samadhyami Abramacharya Varamayami Sakapadam Samadhyami Masuada Varamayami Sakapadam Samadhyami 
Sura Maria Majapapadatiana Varamayami Sakapadam Samadhyami The awakened one is worthy. The awakened one in each one of us is worthy and is blessed. So we bring ourselves to honor that. We take refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, the refuge in each one of us, the awakened one, the Buddha, the Dharma, our heart, that ever flows so gently, the brilliant mind, the Dharma, the Sangha, our body, our voices, our mental thoughts. We gather the Buddha nature, all parts, from all parts of the universe, our elders, Tipi so Bhagawan Mami Ham Arham Buddha Yetipi so Bhagawan Mami Ham Arham Buddha Yetipi so Bhagawan Mami Ham Ukasa Diwawa Tiyane Katam Sabam paridam kami tu no bante. Wandami bante chitadam. Sabam sabatia tani sua paritadam. Serena wakada tu. Mahabuddha. Buddha puja. Sakari Chong Wandami Bhante Datio Wandami Bhante Subaso Ikatam Ritane Tayong Wandami Bhante Subada Buddha Rupa Mahatejawanto Dhamma Puja Mahapapapano Sangam Puja Mahabhagavaho Dam Damam Sangam Jiritam Yuanabana Sarinam Gachami Arisudo Arham Bante Arisudo Timam 
do damo sango diri tu Sabe sata sata hantu Awira suka jirino Alam panam falam maham Sabe bagi bawan today Ahambanti Tikiti so bhagawa namami ham Ahambanti Tikiti so bhagawa namami ham Ahambanti Tikiti so bhagawa namami ham Dam ayu jiritang yuwa nibbana sarinam gachami Damam ayu wither the tongue jiritang yuwa nibbana sarinam gachami Sangam ayu wither the tongue jiritang yuwa nibbana sarinam gachami Diampi budam ayu wither the tongue, jiva tongue, yuwa nibbana, sari nangachami. Diampi damam ayu wither the tongue, jiva tongue, yuwa nibbana, sari nangachami. Diampi sangam ayu wither the tongue, jiva tongue, yuwa nibbana, sari nangachami. Adiyampi budam are you with the tongue, you with tongue, you are nibbana, sorry, nung chami. Adiyampi damam are you with the tongue, you with tongue, you are nibbana, sorry, nung chami. Adiyampi sangam are you with the tongue, you with tongue, you are nibbana, sorry, nung chami. Aham bhante yatiti so bhagavan namami ham. Aham bhante yatiti so bhagavan namami ham. Aham bhante yatiti so bhagavan namami ham. So let's sit for a short while now. So just take a comfortable sitting posture. And we won't sit for very long because many of you have traveled a long way and you're tired. So just coming into the body and perhaps taking a few deeper breaths. And as you breathe out, releasing, putting down whatever you've been carrying today, all the difficulties and problems and struggles, tiredness, putting it all down and coming into the present moment, being at ease, Having a sense of your connection to the cushion, 
the earth. And with each breath out, releasing a little more, coming a little more into the present. Aware of the sensations in this body that brought you here. Inviting the body to be at ease. And aware of what emotion or feeling is present. Maybe you're peaceful or curious or sleepy. Just noticing what's present right now. Aware of the mind, still planning or remembering things you left undone. Coming to ease. And then gradually bringing the attention in to the body breathing. Settling with the breath. Sensations and thoughts and feelings coming and going as you settle into the breath. Receiving the breath, allowing the breath to find its own rhythm. Releasing any doing, simply allowing the breath to breathe itself.
releasing any expectations of how the retreat may go. Letting each breath, each moment, be a new beginning. Seeing if you can pay kind attention to all of your experience, whether it's peaceful or restless, however it is.
So for those of you who would like to continue to sit, please do. And when you lie down before you go to bed tonight, as you're going to sleep tonight, make the intention, if you want, to get as much sleep as you need. Some of us, it's difficult sleeping in a different place. And to have healing dreams. So we'll see you in the morning.